Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello, and welcome to the third, fourth, fourth, fourth episode fourth. of the show. Tonight's episode is brought to you by a um, first time for this platform, but many time reoccurring segment on our show called New Shit We Probably Hate. <laughs> we should do a very, uh, I don't know, processed recording of that. We need someone who is good with sound engineering. Oh, we can do it. We can figure it out. Okay. To to actually do that. No, we don't need anyone to do that. We're going to come up with our own super corny shitty version of it. Okay. Like with your with a deep radio voice with an echo. All right. We'll we'll figure that out. Yeah. Maybe it'll even be in back there where you want it. That's yeah, what she yeah. said. It'll be in back there where you want it. Uh, usually not. But anyway, um what have you guys been up to the last week or so? We actually did not record last week, so it's been 2 weeks. I'll go first. I rode my bike once. The air quality in Colorado was terrible. I rode my bike for a very short period of time. It made the inside of my nose hurt. The fueling sagas on my motorcycle continue, so I don't have proper fuel delivery to from the gas tank to the carburetor at this point. No, into the carburetor at this point. So um, that saga continues, and... We tried to ride last week and we got rained on. Oh yeah, it we was had terrible. We got rained out of three different riding spots. Yeah, like a lot of times here, you can because of microclimates and how fast the weather changes, you can look and be like, "Oh, it's raining thirty miles over there in the mountains. We should drive there right now because by the time we get there, it will stop raining and the trails will be perfect." It did fucking not. And it did not fucking stop raining. And in fact, it just started raining more. And it was a rainy, something that doesn't happen here very often, where it just rained most of the day. And, which is wonderful for us. I'm definitely not, look, it's like a cardinal sin if you live in the West where it's super dry all the time and things always want to catch on fire. You cannot complain about rain. So, just so... You know, whoever's in charge of the rain, just so you know, we're not complaining. We're just saying that we got rained out because we we were up high and it's like, well, let's drive to here where it's not raining and we'll try to ride. And it started raining there. And I was like, well, let's drive to town where it's not raining. And we got about halfway through our ride and it started to rain there. So, yeah, we just got rained out of those spots, which was totally fine because that's one more rain that will keep things from catching on fire as easily. And then we drove to the third spot and it still tried raining on us during that ride. Well, it did. Like it we did half of that ride in just like a drizzle. Yeah, it was moist. It was a moist day. <laughs> Matt just like yeeted his phone onto the table. <laughs> it definitely did. So that sucked, but yeah, so I've been not riding my bike. Um, I've been not riding my motorcycle because it's all whack. I've been not um, not enjoying being outside in any way because it's all whack with smoke outside. So, you know, the last two weeks, they haven't been very interesting. And um, I'll say that because I'm not a lion sack of shit. So, <laughs> Kenny, what's it? has it been super smoky in uh, Salt Lake as well? Yeah, it's super smoky. Days? Yeah, it's really, really bad. So I've been kind of avoiding 
outside. Luckily, inside is pretty nice. We got all kinds of air filters and fancy stuff. Um, but yeah, outside is no good. I rode the motorcycle around a little bit. Uh, that's what, about it. What type of climate control do you have inside your house there? Do you have, like, we basically, we have windows. That's our climate <laughs> control. Well, and, a, and one, like, a rollable swamp cooler that will cool off the upstairs, sort of. But Yeah, I just have normal, just normal central air and central heat, so just gas heat. Oh, God. God, and regular nice. air conditioning and then it's not very good air conditioning even though it's a brand new townhome they used a air conditioner that's now illegal to use because it's like so inefficient and they also <laughs> undersized it by like a thousand square feet as in like they built it for a thousand square foot place not my two thousand square foot place for real it's it's pretty bad that's so, fucking huge for a townhome um i mean it's like, I don't know, kind of normal-ish, maybe? Anyway, I have a little portable AC one that just, like, vents to the outside. So not the most efficient thing in the world, but I've got that in my bedroom. Because also, the way the sun sets, it's, like, against my ceiling. And I'm, like, the... I'm also an end spot. So my bedroom is, like, just gets baked by the sun at the end of the day. So it's always hottest at the end of the day in my room. So the AC helps out a lot but yeah it's pretty good and then just got some normal like air filtery things from costco that are nice to have because the one downside of utah when california is not on fire is utah because it's kind of like in a little um it's in a little bowl with mountains all around it the i don't think that we pollute more than anybody it's just that it stays there so if the wind doesn't blow um it's it's kind of nasty so that's the, the one downside to Salt Lake. But anyway, yeah, California, as usual, has ruined things for a lot of people. And it's really smoky. Thanks, California. Thanks, I California. Really, I don't... I'd blame, <laughs> like, the people with careless campfires or... No. No, in, no, in this case, no, it wasn't, no, like, anyone's... No, no. no, the lady that loses her mind about Texas license plates... <laughs> I like, don't lose my mind about it. You are a crotchety old... See you next Tuesday about <laughs> Texas license plates. As if each Texas license plate drove up, removed their license plate, killed one of your chickens with the license plate, put their plate back on, and did left. they do that? Don't don't play into this. <laughs> so when we say thanks, California, like it's no different than you being like every time we're driving, me like oh Texas. Oh. You know, a lot of people in Colorado hate. Californians and I'm not I don't I don't care I think so what it is, is no that, you don't have room for hate for Californians left over after all that hate for Texas <laughs> well what it is is that the Texans vacation here or have like their summer home here and the Californians just buy a house here and according to the grouchy ass people on like the Salida Facebook page it's all the Californians buying houses here that are making the house prices so high oh okay yeah so, anyway, go on, anyway. Kenny. What were you talking before I asked you about your central air conditioning? I it's bet your house been... has a dishwasher too. <laughs> it does. I think I'm going to install a second dishwa- dishwasher. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually quite serious because I've got two roommates and we we run it at least once a day because we don't really eat out much. Everybody cooks food, which is good, uh, but it makes a lot of dishes and. I 
unless it's like a pan, I don't want to do dishes by hand because, you know, we have technology. Well, and your hands are really nice. So. Oh, yeah, you do have yeah. pretty hands. You wouldn't want I gotta dishpan hands. I got to keep them nice. No, you don't want that at all. So maybe I'll get like a, you know, I want to get an industrial one, you know, like an autoclave, one that <laughs> can just nuke nuclear stuff. The restaurants have those and they wash dishes in 10 minutes. So I want that. Yeah, it's like a dish sanitizer. Like you have to rinse them. Like you can't have food chunks on them. I worked in a restaurant in high school. Like they can't have food chunks on them. They have to be, they've got that little rinser thing on a, on a string or on a, well, I'll just, whatever, I'll add a, a spring. And you we'll have to rinse them. Like you have to just blast. Like you could run your hose, like your water hose into your house with, you know, like a high pressure sprayer. You have to spray the shit off of them, but then you run them through this thing. And yeah, it's, it's like boiling hot water. It boils your dishes and spits them out the other side and they're, they're sanitized. All right. Well, I'm just going to get a gas pressure washer. I'll put those nozzles in there and there'll be a food disposal in the bottom of it. So it will, and then there's going to be boiling water that will get fed to the gas pressure washer. It will pressure wash all the plates and then anything that falls off will get eaten by the food disposal and then it will go nuclear disinfect mode. There you go. That's the way to do it. Other than that, I haven't been doing a lot of riding. I ride here and there. Yeah, once or twice a week, but again, probably for the next couple of weeks, we're really not like being outside is not good for you. I don't. We we cleared up gross. some this afternoon. I don't know if I would go out for like a six hour ride right now, but this afternoon, like right now, I'm looking in the direction of the sunset, and I can actually see a mountain, a clear sky, and a cloud, which is the first time in probably 48 hours that I've been able to do that. Yeah, for us, we haven't been able to see anything for like almost two weeks. Yeah, That's it's rough. really bad. Have you used zoom.earth? No, I haven't. It's a really cool website. You should go to it. Um, you can definitely go to it now or after the show, but it's super neat and it's uh, live satellite imagery and it'll show you all what's happening with the smoke stuff. It's pretty fascinating, actually. And there are oh, a zillion cool. fires right now. Like, it's insanely cool. You're going to have a ton of fun with that. I love maps and satellite views so much i can spend hours doing that shit yeah it's really fun but anyway that's about it for me so um i guess matt's gone andrea do you have anything not really i matt what have i done the last two weeks i haven't really it's kind of the same thing like the air quality wasn't (laughs) i have to ask him i sound like my parents Matt's losing his shit now. <laughs> I had some really inappropriate things to say there, and I'm glad I didn't. So, I wanted to bring back for the first time since our relaunch new shit we probably hate. And I have just kind of a list of just general stuff that has come out in bikes in the last couple of weeks. And I wanted to start with the I think it's pronounced Grava, G-R-A-V-A-A, Tire Inflation System. And surprisingly enough, I do not hate this. Unless it's just really... The only thing I'm worried about, it looks really fucking heavy. But as a person who enjoys riding on a road to the trail, oftentimes for like 10 or 11 miles, like if you're in Salida... Or if you're in Howard, where we are, 
you know, you're going to ride a pretty good distance on the road to ride some amazing trails. Or the other way around, like you can jump up to the Rainbow Trail on a forest, like a BLM road, and then ride the, the Rainbow Trail, which is extremely rocky and needs low tire pressure, and then ride back home. And you ride home, you might have a 20 mile an hour headwind on pretty smooth gravel, like a you know, running your tires at 20 PSI, and <laughs> Matt's giving it the thumbs down. Running your tires at 20 PSI is wonderful on the trail, but then once you're like pedaling into a 20 mile an hour headwind on the way home for however far out you rode, like 10, 15 miles, it kind of sucks, you know? So I think if that's a light and reliable system, I think it's pretty fucking cool. And Doubt. if... Those people sent us that stuff to try out. That would be amazing because I think it looks just because I, like there's it's not it's not really I don't know applicable to everyone. A lot of people drive to the trailhead and ride their bike and put their bike back on their car and drive home. And for people like that, you know, maybe it's really not that of a big that much of a big deal, but for people that like to ride like I do where you know, a lot of times you might have 15 or 20 miles of road, pavement, uh, smooth gravel before you're on trail. It's really interesting. So I don't I don't hate that, I don't think. Uh, I want to see more about it. I will probably never have enough money to purchase it. But uh, a girl can dream, right? Kenny, do you want to take the floor on how terrible the system is? Or do you want me to? <laughs> I mean, it has motors. That's pretty cool. So I'm pretty happy. So about it's that. a, it's like on demand though. It's not like it's always running. You're like, shit. I need some more air in my tire. You flip a switch and you get some more air in your tire. Okay. You ready for it? You ready <laughs> okay, for the thing? Tell, that you'll tell the me. Way how it can be improved is that all the spokes I'm sure it, should be hollow carbon straws, and then you don't need an extra little uh, hose. Oh, that's a good idea. There's no way sealant would get in there. Yeah, you could never just blow your rim tape off the rim like that. Um, also, I'm sure the points of engagement on this hub is three. Yeah, that, that would probably be also a terrible thing about that hub. The motor's going to get stuck in the on position, and you're going to be just like cruising. <laughs> and, and your you're tire's gonna, just going to explode. You're going to be like cruising down the pavement, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then like one moment later, whoa, 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 whoa. Five moments later, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and you're just like, do I ride faster? Do I slow down? I don't know what to do. So then you're just going really fast, and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's your DHR singing like a <laughs> like a cross tire at 50 psi, and then suddenly, bam, boom, and they're like, oops. I think that's your when you just have up. to you just chuck your bike into the woods and let it ghost ride, and then it explodes, or. Yeah, would, would you have to, good... like, if, if it was stuck in the on, I guess you would stop because it's driven by forward, it looks like it, the pump is driven by forward motion, so. <laughs> oh, so there's no, there's no batteries, there's just like, and there's not even any motors, it's like all done on like, a, it's like a mechanical pump that's driven by the rotation of your wheel. The information is very general right now. Let's see. It's a mechanical orbital pump that generates air pressure and an electronic controller to engage and disengage the pump, each powered solely by rider pedal power. There you so go. It sounds oh, like man, you could use, check this out. Listen to this, for real. You could engage that sucker, and you can have 
engine braking or descend assist like a lot of cars have. Oh, man. Except it would be inflating your tire as you were descending. That's not, not ideal. So what you could do is you could unhook the pump from your tire and like, I don't know, zip tie it to a spoke or something and then engage it while you're going downhill so that you get some engine braking while you're going downhill. God, I want to try this thing out so bad. You could also like pump up your fork or pump up your rear shock. Oh my gosh. Like you could just sit there and pedal your bike. Like if your fork needed some air, attach it to your fork and, you know, just have someone like hold, or hang your bike from a tree and pedal it and inflate your fork. It probably wouldn't do that high of a pressure. Y'all are just straight <laughs> tripping. This thing's <laughs> got to ride really fast. <laughs> this thing also tells nothing about a gauge of any sort. I think it's and supposed to be electronic if you look at... Uh, I looked at their website. Just a second. Um, yeah, I'm just not into it. So I would really be into trying it out for sure. You know what? If one comes in the mail, Andrea can have at it because... Um, set the tire pressure you want via the control unit and let the smart hubs do the rest. That's a So it doesn't point. do what you want to do, which is allow you, like, it doesn't, you set the tire pressure and let the hub do the rest. It's not like there's a button you push for 40 PSI, a button you push for 20 PSI. Well, I'd set the tire, like, if I was going to ride, I don't know, to Salida on my full suspension mountain bike, I'd set the tire pressure at, say, I don't know, 25 to 30 PSI. And then once oh, I got to Salida be... and I wanted to ride the trails, I would set the tire pressure lower and let air out. So you would There could stop. be an alarm on it. So if you get a flat and it senses that the tire pressure is dropping and it, it sets off an alarm and you got to pedal really fast and hopefully you can seal up that giant <laughs> gash you have. Yeah. <laughs> What other things do you probably hate? Because I'm just getting angry about this because it seems <laughs> it seems so unnecessarily complicated. Like, I don't know what it does that a tire whiz and a mini pump doesn't do. You could definitely do that with a tire whiz and a mini pump. You are correct, for sure. But I like that someone has acknowledged that what tire pressure you are running on the trail may not be the same tire pressure you want to ride to get to or from the trail. I'm not seeing anything about that in their like release here that I was reading. Yeah, they're This to me looks like more like, "Uh-oh, you got a slow leak. We'll fix it." You yeah, don't they know do... how to make tubeless work. Yeah, they they do have that as a selling point. No need to carry a heavy saddlebag. <laughs> so many good ideas. Hey, we can use the inside parts of your frame as little reservoirs we can fill that up with air do fancy stuff there <laughs> the cross-country racer folks can use it so they got their you know you got your heart rate monitor and your power meter and you got your dropper lever and then you got your twin lock lever and then you got your air pressure up and downer <laughs> lever so, so as you're, here, here as you you're go, climbing Kenny. versus flats you got different air pressure it's gonna be amazing you can disconnect from your tire like the hose that's getting air from your hub and mount it to your handlebars, and when you're climbing, you can get a breeze on your face to keep your glasses from fogging up. There you go. <laughs> I think Matt's about to explode. <laughs> All right, next. So next moving topic. on. <laughs> moving on. The new finish line sealant. Do so, you want... Kenny, do you have any experience? Because so Matt and I were 
on our way out of the bike shop when Finish Line released their first sealant that they initially were like, this lasts the life of the tire. And then they're like, ah, maybe not quite that long. Yeah. And, you know, basically it just stays liquid all the time, but it also stays liquid as it shoots out of your tire in a liquid stream. (laughs) So, like, it would be very similar to putting, uh, like, water in your tire. Like, it probably stays water for a while, probably longer than stands. And uh, and then when you get a hole, the water comes out the hole. <laughs> Neat. It just lets you know when you have a hole in your tire. Yep. So, uh, bad. It, w- it was bad. That's what every comment that I've read on the internet is like, I bought the large container of finish line sealant and dumped most of it out so I could just use the bottle. Is literally yeah, one of the much. comments on the on the new finish line sealant. Everyone's like, the first one was so bad. There's no way we're gonna try this one. Which it that's another me that thing. Nobody actually tried it. Like they <laughs> they just got it made for them, and they're like, oh, we'll see if it works as sealant later. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't have any insider knowledge on this, but to me, that feels like one of those things where what they ordered and what they delivered were different things or yeah, maybe the uh, like the sample they got from the sealant company worked and then they're like yeah put that shit in bottles and we'll sell it and like the shit that got put in bottles was not the same thing possibly or that contractor just came to them and said yo finish line we've got this amazing sealant you'll be first to the market with it and it's going to be awesome and they were like okay cool we would like to order uh we would like to order 100,000 gallons and that's what they did. So, yeah, but it, it has fiber link. Well, it has latex in it now. So what they did was they added, it sounds like they took the same stuff and they added latex to it. So it still has Kevlar bits in it for sealing purposes or for spraying purposes, you know, whichever your experience is. But the latex, I think, would make it a little bit stickier and maybe more likely to actually adhere on its way out of your tire. I don't know. I'm not a sealant expert, but that sounds like by their marketing, that's what they're going for. I just rage quit that tab. (laughs) So, um, anything else on your list? Yeah, you wanted to have a word about the Hope Union pedals. Oh man, just another type of pedal was released, and it comes in purple. It looks cool. They look cool, but no, I'm just gonna be nice. I think I'm gonna like. Here's the thing, like I just don't understand brands. Like I I understand how innovation works. I understand that if no one tries anything, then nothing gets better. So so don't think that I'm a total idiot. But like out of all the things you could bring to market, like why would you bother well, going they, up? Well they against- say in some of their uh in their press release why they built the pedal, because the people who worked at Hope who makes flat pedals and decent flat pedals, they said, most of us ride clipless and we didn't have a pedal to ride, so we decided to make a clipless pedal. You do. You order it from Shimano. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Like, like that's what I think is, like, really... They wanted a Hope-branded... Okay, I want to say one thing. Uh, It's hard to get into the pedal game because everyone's tried it, pretty much has failed. So, you know, valiant effort. Shimano, though, they have every single set of XTR pedals I've ever owned. The little seals 
just like pop out of them. We're on like generation freaking 10 now on XTR. I've got the 9100s or whatever the heck they are. And they're brand spanking new and they've both spit their seals out already. Yeah, I might have done that. Not all of them. Not every single pair, but I've definitely had some do that. Like, come on. Um, figure that part out. That would be really cool. It doesn't really seem to affect the performance of the pedal, but I also am... Well, then why does it have that seal? I'm pretty decent at taking my pedals off and doing the like the little lock nut adjustment and overhaul, like a really basic overhaul where I just wipe the old grease off, degrease it out of the pedal body itself, and then put some more tenacious oil in there and put it back together. Which, what I do is I ride my pedals for a year and then I sell them for $10 less than I bought them for. <laughs> okay. And then I don't have to touch them ever. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like good at adjusting pedals. I don't know. Even like Scott at Absolute Bikes, who was really good at most things, I showed him that and he's like, wait, you did that first try? I'm like, Yeah. God, it always takes me like three or four times to get that. I was like, I just, I just got the touch for it, man. Like, that's just, that's my thing. Like, I can rebuild Shimano <laughs> pedal. I can be profitable in this, you know, in a bike shop. Uh, what else is on our list? Uh, well, I actually had, um, I lied when I said yep. I didn't have anything to talk about. I wanted to, uh, along with trying to sell my car, I am trying to purchase for American Currency a spotting scope for hunting. Uh, it does not have to be the most awesome and fancy thing. I'm just trying not to spend... That new money? <laughs> yeah, the money for a new one. You know, you can definitely get one that's really affordable. I'm hoping I can get one that's a little bit nicer than the low-end stuff, but that is a little used. You know, maybe you, like, upgraded or, you know, you got a good Christmas present or something like that, and you got get two of them knocking around and you just want to get rid of one, uh, hit me up. Andrew's like, slide it in the DMs. I'll send you some money. Yeah, you can either direct message Just Riding Along Show on Instagram or you can email me, Andrea, at JustRidingAlongShow.com. You can fill out the contact form on JustRidingAlongShow.com. Whatever. Uh, send a carrier pigeon. No. We don't need any more birds on this property. <laughs> I will send your carrier pigeon back with money, uh, but it would have to bring the spotting scope here first. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's a long, hard flight for a bird. I don't think you respect birds. so. Sure. So speaking of hunting season, uh, we're going to hunt marmots tomorrow. We are. So hunting season, and well, it's there are several seasons that are kind of year-round for things like coyotes that are considered... Uh, nuisance yeah like coyotes in colorado while i don't want to hunt them because they're a little bit too dog adjacent from for me like i just i just don't want to do it they kill cattle they kill people's dogs and cats uh which you know i feel like is worse than killing people's cattle um, there are definitely some ranchers out there that would disagree with me but anyway uh, yeah, so, you know, that's like a year-round season. There are some invasive species that are year-round, but for just normal hunting seasons, tomorrow is opening day of marmot season, which, as far as what I've read, you cook them like rabbit, 
And for anyone just joining in, Matt and I do a fair amount of small game hunting, some big game hunting. We definitely cook everything. We do it for food and for, you know, food first, recreation second. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's another way to enjoy the outdoors for us uh, while feeding, filling the freezer up with marmots and squirrels and rabbits and things like that. So one last little quick tidbit there. Um, if you don't want to hear about those things, you can build a time machine. You can go back in time. You cannot listen to this episode. Yeah, next episode, so episode five, we'll definitely have some hot marmot action. Maybe, if we find I hope them. so. So uh, marmot is happening. Uh, what else? My fork is better. Remember last week I said that I rebuilt the damper while I did a full overhaul on my pike? Uh, and that definitely... Way, made it way better like the the oil inside my damper was not the color of new fork oil and yeah switching that out putting some new seals in it definitely made it way better and i have not wrecked since i did that which when in we've we talked last i had the last three rides i had wrecked on just because i kind of just felt out of control and off um are we gonna do listener questions yeah you're the one with Let's the notepad tonight so i have to like pry you on it <laughs> That just makes for more conversation. Let me get over to the listener question page. And by the way, I am tonight drinking a whiskey old-fashioned with the Austin Still Whiskey that listeners Jeff and Kat gave to us. And it is delightful. Okay, so, picking up where we left off last time on listener questions because we had so many we couldn't do all of them. Uh, From... Guti MTB on Instagram. Oval chain rings. So that's the first part. He has several questions in this. So oval chain rings. So are we going to rapid fire yeah, each we're gonna, section of his? We're going to rapid fire his his question. So what do you guys think oval chain rings? I'll go. If I ever found myself in a situation where I only owned one bicycle, I think I would try it again. But the last time I tried it, I owned multiple bicycles. And I did not feel that it worked and I didn't have it's like I couldn't just ride that one bike all the time because I wanted to ride my other bikes but it just felt really odd and I, I just didn't like it Kenny yeah same for me we discussed it years and years ago I tried it on the single speed I don't know if I ever tried it on any of the one by bikes or not I'm not really sure Either way, I tried to give it a chance on the single speed. I think I even tried two different brands that were clocked slightly <laughs> differently. And I heavily disliked both of them. And I tried each one for at least a couple weeks. And I mean, I think I've got a relatively like smooth cadence. At least I did back in the single speed days when you were forced to pedal really fast. And to me, it felt like on the upstroke basically on the lower load portion of my pedal stroke, I felt like I was I had to pull the crank through it. I was like pulling through sand almost, and I hated it. So not for me. So I've used them on a road bike, and I've used them on my single speed. And this is both uh, both a pretty long time ago. And both I think in both instances I was using rotor brand rings, which are adjustable. You can adjust the position of where the large and small portions are. And I will say on my road bike, I liked them. 
And I just put them in like the stock, you know, they say like, this is the recommended starting position and then go from here, you know, adjust from here. And I liked them on my road bike for sure. But on my single speed, a little bit different. I felt like at high cadence stuff, so like spin out type situations, I felt like my heart rate might have been a little bit lower, you know, pedaling at like 100 to 110 RPMs. I felt like that might have been at least perceivable uh, as being easier. But standing and climbing, I spun my rear wheel constantly. So all the time spinning my rear wheel, and that was unbearable for climbing. So I took that off right away and sold it. Probably to a listener. I don't know. It was about the time we were starting up, I think. So... Yeah, I mean, I and from like since then, I've ridden customer bikes, and just on test rides, you know, I'll work on someone's bike, I'll adjust their shifting, I'll put new stuff on, do this and that, and go out for a test ride and be like, "Oh shit, something's wrong with like the bottom bracket. Like it feels like it's hanging up. It's really weird." And apparently, you get used to that, but it feels way different than. Before, like, a, you know, probably 2010 to 2012. Year. No, I guess on my road bike, I had those in, like, 2009. And on the single speed, it would have been, like, 2011 or 12 or something. But, yeah, so I, you know, it's going to be application-specific for me. I don't ride a road bike anymore, so I probably won't ever use it. oval chain rings again. Next. So, Next. What is it exactly that you were looking for when you push on someone's fork? I'm guessing, you know, for a Smirnoff in the parking lot. Kenny, this is your this is your area of expertise. So what you got? If oh, someone this, comes I didn't to realize you, this was directed at me. Well, I mean, I think I think I've offered to do fork pushing services as well, but Kenny will do it for a Smirnoff. So if you bring him your bike and a Smirnoff, he will push on your fork in the parking lot. <laughs> and I encourage all of our listeners in the Utah area to do that to Kenny at all times. So I, I don't have a great, there's a lot of things, but it's really just hitting the basics. Like does the fork have a ridiculous amount of stiction? How does it feel off the top? Um, you know, is there small bump compliance? Um, is the rebound set at all the way fast or slow? <laughs> Uh, what is the ramp up rate on the fork? Like the rough ramp up rate? Like you can get a pretty good feel by just pushing a fork halfway through its travel. Um, you know, roughly probably what tokens they have in the fork or just how the thing was built. Um, and then, yeah, other big ones are, it's a lot harder to do compression related stuff um, in the parking lot. Like there's not much of a substitute for just riding to do that. Uh, you can get a general idea though. And the big one is going to be rebound. You're just seeing how quickly the fork rebounds. And obviously that's, yeah, it, it's tough to, like on a grip two bike, it's a little tough to nail both uh, high and low speed rebound just in a parking lot test, but you can get pretty close. That's pretty much it. I don't have like great explanations for what all those things should feel like. It's just one of those things when you get stuff set up right, you just know what you're looking for. Just like when you build a new bike, uh, or if you ride a customer's bike and you just know what the cockpit's like, you're like, hey, I can tell these bars are a little too high or a little too low or it's further away or whatever it might be, saddle height, 
all that stuff. Same thing in a fork. So I know that's not a great answer, but that's what I'm looking well, yeah. for. You know, that's kind of the same thing I was going to say is there's a little bit of just kind of intuition there. Like I will literally look at the person whose bike I'm pushing on their fork while I do it. And I'm just feeling like, does the way the fork is moving along with like, does it have extra stiction? Is it, you know, is the rebound 14 clicks fast or something like, you know, the obvious stuff, but really what I'm doing is like, I'm looking at that person and I'm pushing on the fork and saying, does this make sense? When you say looking at them, do you like, like I'm literally break, like, like you I'm, make eye contact with them and like you don't break eye contact and you like seductively push. Their no, fork it's up more, I'm looking more at probably like nipple level. Like I'm just sizing them up and looking at them and maybe like if I just like subconsciously probably kind of looking at like their center of gravity a little bit because someone who's very large and like the the thighs and the hips like they're not putting as much versus you know some person like I don't know uh like Ron Drop Ron at, in Memphis you know who has a gigantic upper body like their their fork their if those two people weigh the same, they're putting different amounts of stress on their fork because of how they're built. And I'm li- literally I'm just built like, different. yeah, like I'm literally just looking at this person and I feel their suspension and say like, does, does how this is set up make sense and make sense? Like that makes sense part is a pretty, it's a very uh, kind of intuitive and nuanced thing that I really can't describe. And I'm just more like your normal run of the mill, like a little bit of what Kenny was saying, like, does the fork have like weird breakaway? Like, so does the fork index on the way down? Yeah, yeah. Or can I like lean into the bar and then suddenly the fork like breaks away really weirdly and like blows through most of the travel? Um, And then, you know, for me, it's just touching on those big things like before, like with breakaway and then like, is the pressure even in the right neighborhood for this size rider? And then is the rebound even in the right neighborhood for the amount of pressure we're running? Like the number of like full pogo forks that I've touched in my life. And, and Andrea has really had to help me with this. Like I've always ran my personal rebound a little bit slow and I really like it that way. I don't know. I just, it feels really planted and controlled that way. Um, if you're really run- used to riding a rigid fork, it actually probably makes a lot of sense. I'm the opposite way. Like I use... For example, I probably use my clipless pedals not quite right. Like I don't have perfect bunny hop form. I, you know, lean on the actual pedal clip-in mechanism probably more than I should. Same way to get over stuff like all mountainy type stuff. I really rely on the fork quite a bit in a lot of situations to get that little bit extra pop to like get up over stuff. And that's why I like my fork rebound that little bit faster. Um, whereas since you have a BMX background, rigid, all that stuff, that makes sense that you like it a little bit slower. It's probably going to actually feel a little bit more like a non-suspended bike. Maybe. And probably it also feels better. Like, I guess to me, like when I hit the ground, like I never want to be in that situation where like you're hitting something and you're compressing from it. And like, by the time you smash into that next thing, like immediately after it on the trail, like the fork's already trying to rebound. I think that's what it is for me. Like I want the, it not so much that the fork packs up and dives, but like I want the fork to stay, I want the bike to stay planted while I'm rallying through like a couple of little bumps at once. So. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way about it too. I, I run, you know, a little slower rebound than what other people 
Yeah, I'm on like the slow side of kind of the, if you said like for someone who's 140 pounds, you should run seven clicks slow. You know, I probably run eight slow and then someone else might, Kenny probably runs six and you know, neither one of us is wrong as long as we're not smashing your face in the ground. Yeah, pretty much. Unfortunately, a lot of people's forks are just wrong. Like, I don't care who you are or what your preference is. <laughs> it's just wrong. So one thing I need to, I won't even say it's like a small rant, but maybe it is. Uh, in small bikes, if you are a lightweight rider, uh, more volume spacers, more tokens in your fork is not necessarily a good thing. And a lot of people, for some reason... I'll never understand. Just think that, well, if one of them was good, then six of them might be better. Uh, I literally, in a 120-pound rider's fork, took out the maximum number of volume spacers from her Fox 34. Well, she might have been trying to get like that ultimate small bump compliance. It's weird, though. You run into an issue where if you run so low air pressure... It's hard to... No, she literally, she went to a bike shop and they're like, oh, you have two tokens? Uh, You know, if you like how two tokens is, then five would be better because more tokens is better. Like they literally told her just more is better on tokens. Oh, well, that's not good. I mean, you can run. We've been over this a million times and there's a lot of complexity here, right? But essentially you can get away with running lower pressure with more tokens, which generally means you're going to hang out in the upper part of the travel more, which also means that um, you're going to get a little bit better small bump compliance. But an issue, lighter weight riders have a lot of issues. And, you know, from being at the limits of what the valving is, like not being able to get the rebound fast enough, as an example, that can happen. Also, the stiction in the fork is going to be amplified because the spring rate fighting against it is not as heavy. So a stiction fork will be super duper noticeable if you're lightweight. Right. And, you know, I... I think it just, there's a little bit of like bro culture behind just the more tokens is better thing that they don't even realize. Like I, out of a similar sized rider, she had a custom mountain bike and no one at a particular bike shop that I'm not going to name, even though she asked more than one person there to help her set her bike up, no one thought we should open this fork up and remove maybe the five tokens that are inside of it, which is, I think what it was again, like the max number of tokens that Fox allows you to put in a fork was in her fork and she was tiny. So, you know, it just, I get, I get mad about it because there are a lot of small individuals, many of them women who are riding around on forks that are set up shittily because some of the people who set forks up don't, take into account that some people don't weigh 170 pounds last little thing on forks i've actually set forks up for like kids or really small like really it's it has to be like a kid for this like young kid young lady you know like high school kid or whatever and i've set their forks up where i'm like cool you need less pressure but your rebound won't be slow enough so i'm going to add pressure back in so your fork will be a little stiff but it won't be weird um, right. so that's just something to consider too. Like if you have a really small rider and you're like, well, I got to run 30 PSI to get the right sag. Maybe you need to bump that Fox fork or, you know, like a 34, maybe you need to bump that 34 back up to like 40, 45 PSI. That's going to be probably the bottom of where that rebound matches the spring rate. So that's just something to consider. Okay. So last question from Guti MTB. 
Vittoria Tires. I am loving the Agaros on my following MB. Thoughts on their tire offerings? I remember Kenny used to run the shit out of some Vittoria Tires. Yeah, I thought they were really good. They were, um, at the time... I remember the wrestling I them, them onto rims with Kenny in the outdoors uh, mechanics area. Yeah, uh, Giax or... or um, yep, yep. Go, I don't know how you pronounce it, but the uh, the Saguaro, that yep. one was pretty popular. It was good. It was like, uh, I don't want to call it a file tread, but it was like a kind of a fast tracky type tread. So short blocks pretty sharp um yeah it was a good tire like all rounder it was really nice it was very consistent uh at any lean angle not going to be like the most outright grip or anything like that but they were great they were super durable i don't think i ever sliced one but i didn't do a whole lot of rocky stuff at the time um yeah they're totally good a ton of people make really good tires like most people i think you're going to struggle these days to find a shitty tire just like you're going to struggle to find a shitty modern full suspension bike especially from any like the big five it's just hard to find a crappy product now which is really cool so i'm sure they're great i don't have personal experience with them really but hopefully they're a little easier to install than they used to be i think the problem was is those tires were an ultra let's call it low bead diameter tire because they wanted to help like this was like this was when tubeless was really taking off. Right. So, sure. like, there was a lot of ghetto tubeless. So, these tires worked great for that, but they were nearly impossible to install on, like, a Crossmax UST or, like, a Gen 1 stands rim. Yeah. The Gen sure. 1 and stands the... rims were the big ones. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember putting those <laughs> on, like, flows and stuff? It was horrendous. I can't believe we didn't break rims and tires and stuff. It blew my mind. I had we those broke so many tire shoehorned. Levers, we did. I had those things shoehorned onto race golds. Like it was I remember sketchy. how we would have to do it too. So I would hold one side of the bead because and then you would work on the other side with the tire lever. Because if you didn't have someone to hold one side of the bead as you were working that last part on, it would just keep slipping off like you were just chasing it. So yeah, it took two people, like one person to hold the bead as as hard as possible and the other person to just brake tire levers as they were putting the, the tire on. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're not like that anymore. Uh because the the Mezcal is like a standard tour divide tire. Like people love that tire for tour divide. And I I can't remember working in absolute bikes and having a problem installing a Vittoria tire. Like that. You know, like what you and I used to go through. I would definitely run them. Yeah, I I kinda settled when I was training for Tour Divide that didn't happen, uh I settled on the fast track before I got to trying the Mezcal and just, I just liked the fast track. So I was sticking with that, but you know, the Mezcal would definitely be something I would try as well. So yeah, I mean, sure. Vittoria tires and they have some new tire compounds. They've, they've kind of tried to stay with the times as far as different tire compounds as well. So the Agaro kind of looks like uh, kind of an ardent, ardent race situation. Um, you know, I'm trying to look at their tires right now and I feel like they've done that thing where they've like overly segmented their website. So like you have to click around between all the different categories to find the different tires, which is kind of annoying. Yeah. Just show me a big old list all in one. If you want to like put some brackets between a few and say like, Hey, these are kind of good for all mountain and Hey, these are good for cross country. That's cool. But yeah, don't completely segment them. Why do that? Like show all your shit. 
Right, because there are some all mountain people that want maybe a faster rolling tire they might put on the back of their bike, and then there's some cross-country people that are like, oh, I've got a muddy race coming up. I'm going to get a knobbier tire. And, you know, they might look at some of the other tires. So I yeah. like their little... Um, <clears throat> I like their little people doing stuff. So if you go to the categories, you can see what you do on each one. You got a guy that's about to endo with a backpack on. That's Enduro Trail. You got XC <laughs> going up some bumps. BMX is inexplicably completely vertical. Um, I don't know what that move is. Matt, can you tell us what move that is? Um, without the ramp in focus. You know what? I'm going to go with um, the the term here would be abubica. And that is when you like go up a ramp, you do a tire tap on the very edge of the 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 point of the lip, so like the danger zone, not up on like the flat part on the top, but you like press into like the corner, and then you go back in backwards. So this dude's definitely doing an abubica right now. Yeah, that's kind of on his way up or on his way down. It looks like he's on his way down. They took the picture. He's like obviously like stalling the invisible ramp right now. Oh, okay, okay. So he's in the middle of the. Yeah, like he's he's in the heart of the abubica. Okay, that's cool. Well, that's good to know. Um, if you do the same thing and then like 180 on your way back in, that's a fufanu, and no one <laughs> needs to know any of this shit. <laughs> we have one more tire question that I want to jam in here. Uh, jam it in, like jam it in, like dry. putting a a, a gax cigarro on a crest. Yeah. Rim in 2013. Does Kenny like the new fast track? I tried it and was not a fan. Back to the recon. That is from C Steven 71, Stephen Cook on Instagram. I have not tried the new one, admittedly. I liked the fact that they made the I'm gonna call it the old fast track, but the one like the the first fast track that was actually good. So the last generation one. I'm gonna say it came out in like 2016 2017 something like that anyway that one is the one i have a ton of experience with and i was running the two sixes actually and they were pretty good i haven't run the new ones i don't know they don't make it in a two six a two three five should be adequate for most everybody they seem a little bit sharper maybe on the corners which is pretty cool but seems like maybe the center tread is not gonna roll quite as well i i don't know this is just complete guess. And of course, the rubber is completely different. Compounds are completely different. I'll probably give it a try at some point. But honestly, my bikes being a little bit longer travel now and a little bit heavier, I've gone a baby step up on tires. Not like full Asagai front and rear. But to be honest, I'd almost like to just try something like that. Just go completely bananas. Just, and just full moto. And just see. like you know. And after riding motos more and more, I'm kind of getting used to how that is. But... The moto tires work better when the whole system is a lot heavier and it can really like dig down into stuff. Uh, anyway, with that said, to give you an idea right now on my Levo SL, I run the standard recon, just normal Maxxis recon in a 2.6 front and rear in like the softer compound. And it's been really good, like a really good all-rounder tire, still pretty fast rolling. Uh, I want to try the new specialized ground controls. They make those in a 2.6 and they seem way better than the old ones. The old ground control made no sense. It was basically like an ultra short block, like DHF or something. It was just a yeah, bizarre tire. Yeah, I always thought tire. that tire looked kind of weird. It's like, why have broad tread? 
that's not deep. That doesn't make any sense. Like it has, it, it absolutely could never dig down into anything. So I never liked the original ground control. I thought it was really dumb. But this one seems to be a complete departure from that. They're just using the name. That's it. Just because ground control is like such a that designates name. its place in the knobbiness spectrum of specialized tires. Pretty much. So. Yeah, sorry. I wish I had more feedback on the fast track. I will <clears throat> hopefully give them a try and I can let you know. But so yeah, sorry, bummed that you didn't have as good of an experience. I, I have a feeling that maybe the fast track got like a little bit worse, but the new Renegade got a little bit better. That's my hunch from talking with some cross country people. The new, uh, if you're into ultra cross country, the Maxis Aspen seems to be super popular. They make it in a 2.4. I love really that they soft, did some cross-country wide trail. Yeah, so that one's really good. Yep. So I'll shut her down. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, please go to our website, justridingalongshow.com. You can fill out the contact form. Uh, we did have one question from the contact form that I'll just save for next week. Uh, from someone named Maddox E. Normus. So... You know, feel free to entertain us with your name uh, whenever you fill out that contact form. You can get the link to our Patreon for Just Riding Along as well and join to be a member. Our goal is to never have to sell ad space here in order to keep the lights on. Join our Patreon and uh, help keep us on the internets. Thanks a lot. Good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of your great pads. <laughs>